Uh, before before I get started this morning, I just want to really express uh, my thankfulness and, uh, well, I need to find my page first, but after that, I just really want to say thank you to everyone who helped with, uh, with the baby shower yesterday. Uh, I know that we are extremely, extremely blessed uh, by, by this congregation, and whenever I... <laughs> Whenever I, we were singing that song, uh, I don't even remember what the name of it was anymore, but uh, have you seen the face of Christ in your brother? And it is most definite that, that the face of Christ has been seen uh, in my brothers and sisters in this place. And I'm so grateful for that, and I love each and every one of you greatly, and just overcome with thankfulness uh, for the love that y'all have shown Lindsay and I. So, again, thank you. Uh, and I probably will continue to say that. Uh, I also, I want to let... It's kind of heavy on my heart, but I'm going to preach this time and two more times in May, which is next month, I think. Uh, two more times, and then I'm not going to be preaching for three months which is the longest I've gone in a long time. So I assure you, well, I'll be raising a baby, so I probably won't miss it that much. But anyway, uh, I was talking to my, my class this morning, and we kind of got it, got started talking about, about fishing in a kayak, right? And... I don't know how many of you have been fishing in a kayak before, but it's, it can be the most fun thing in the world, and it can be the worst thing in the world. Like, if it's not windy, you know, and it's a pleasant day outside, kayaking is awesome. So much fun. You know, you can just go float out in a lake, and it's just the time of your life. Then, you get in the kayak when the wind's blowing 40 miles an hour, right? And it's everything you can do to not flip the kayak, right? It's everything you can do to stay afloat, right? You're, you're like, all right, I've got to get over there. There's a storm coming in, and you're paddling as hard as you can, and the winds, I mean, you're, you're like in four-foot four foot white caps, right? And you're paddling as hard as you can, and you're never going to get there. You just, you just keep paddling, and you're not going anywhere, right? And it's miserable. Like you can, but you can see off in the distance your goal. Like you see, you see the land that you want to go to, and no matter how hard you paddle, right? no matter how hard you try, you just never get any closer. Or maybe you get closer, you get halfway, and your arms are tied, and you're just done. Right? And then you're floating back to the other side. Uh, we, I think our Christian life can be a lot like this. Right? Like we get in this, this kayak, this river, the river of life. Uh, and we're, we're in the kayak, and we're paddling as hard as we can, and, and we know that this, we have this end goal set before us, right? That this, this, this kingdom, right, that, that heaven, that God is set off in the distance, and that if I, just, if I just paddle hard enough, that I'll get there one day, right? And, and I'm paddling, and I'm paddling, and the wind's blowing in my face, and the waves are coming, and I have to get out and walk it through certain parts of the river, and it just, I'm never going to get there, God. I want to talk about that today, right? Because 
if I'm in that kayak and I'm paddling and I'm trying to get to my goal and it doesn't seem like I'm making progress, it's really easy to get discouraged. It's really easy just to give up and get out of the boat. It's really easy to say, uh, I tried this Christian thing, but I'm never going to get there, so I'm giving up. Maybe you've never gotten to that point, but I know everyone in here right, has been discouraged by, by things that God, by things that maybe not God has thrown at them, but things that have been thrown at them. Right? You, you, you're, you're trying to live your life, you're trying to live the Christian life, and bad things happen to you. Time and time again. And it's hard. Anyway. We're going to talk about that. And I want, to, I want to give a message of hope that has to do with the kingdom. Hope that has to do with the kingdom. Hope that has to do with, with dwelling in this kingdom forever. The, the one that God has established. That's the one that I want to talk about, that Jesus has established. Anyway, so, when I say kingdom of heaven, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? I don't want to call, well, I'm going to call her out. So, this week, uh, I was prepping for this, and I asked Rachel, who's our secretary at the moment, I said, Rachel, when I say the word kingdom of heaven, what do you think of? Right, and first, first thing she thought of, right, right or wrong, first thing she thought of, heaven, Right, like, like the pearly gates, right, like, like you have streets of gold, right, and you don't have to show hands, but I nearly guarantee 99% of us thought of that exact same thing, right, whenever we, we think of kingdom of heaven, we think about something that we're going to get to one day, right, that, that we'll cross over like a bridge whenever we die into heaven, Jesus did not view the kingdom of heaven like this. That's not, that's not what the kingdom of heaven was to Jesus. And, and just for qualification's sake, in, in, in Matthew it's called the kingdom of heaven, in Mark and Luke it's called the kingdom of God. So if, there's, if you're looking at these and it's a little bit confusing, I just want you to know kingdom of heaven and kingdom of God, talking about the same thing. Jesus is talking about both those, okay. Jesus does not see the kingdom of heaven as we see it. Right, he explains it in a different way, okay? So what I want to do for a second uh, is look at, <laughs> my bad, Matthew chapter 4 and verse 17. Uh, Matthew chapter 4 and verse 17 says, this is the beginning of Jesus' ministry, right? And he says, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So Jesus is ushering in this new kingdom, right? Now, now I want you to put yourself in Jewish shoes for a minute, right? And in, in, in being in Israelite shoes for a second, right? So we're Jesus comes, right? He pops onto the scene. John has been saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand in chapter 3 in the beginning, right? And now in chapter 4, Jesus says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus is the one who's bringing in that kingdom, right? So Jesus is walking down the shore next in, the, next in that paragraph, and he says, Simon, who's also called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, were casting that into the sea, and Jesus says, follow me. Now, Jesus just walks up and he says, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now I want you to follow me. 
what Jewish person wouldn't want to follow him? Right? What, is, what does the kingdom of heaven consist of for these two people at this very moment? What is the kingdom of heaven to, to Jewish people? What have they been waiting on their whole life? Well, they've been waiting on, on being <laughs> delivered from this, this uh, religion or from this occupation, right? From this occupation by the Romans. They've been dreaming of being delivered from, from all these people who have held them captive for years and years and years, over and over again. And in Daniel chapter 2 and verse 44, I didn't bring my Old Testament Bible up here. It's my fault. I just have my New Testament one. But it says that God is going to establish a kingdom that lasts forever. Right? That he's going to destroy every other kingdom and that his kingdom will last forever. And Jesus, Jesus comes and he says, look, I'm here to establish the kingdom. That's what I'm here for. It's at hand and I'm going to establish it. All these, young, all these men, they're like, well, heck yeah. Let's go. Like, like, like when are we going to start fighting? Right? When are we going to purge Jerusalem of all this Roman occupancy? When's it going to happen? You know, I think if we were to step back in their time, when I was a kid, we grew up in the yard, and I would, I would stand there, and I would throw a football up in the air, and I would run, and I would catch it, and that was the state championship, right? And our end, our end wins the state championship again. Of course, Owen threw the pass and caught it. He is the MVP, okay? <laughs> time and time. I mean, y'all don't understand. I did that for hours every day. <laughs> it was my dream, right? Like, I was going to play in the NFL or I was going to play in the NBA. Every time I picked up a basketball, I was Michael Jordan. Every single time, right? <laughs> These kids in this day weren't practicing throwing a football, right? Obviously, football did not exist yet. I think we know that. Right? Instead, maybe they were in the street and they were pretending to be the Messiah, delivering themselves or their people. Well, they probably would have got them in trouble, but pretending they were fighting with the Messiah. Right? Uh, fighting one another, pretending like sword fighting, like saying, when the Messiah comes, I'm going to be ready to help him. I'm prepared to battle. Like, like, that's what they're talking about. They're not throwing footballs. They're talking about fighting wars. That's what their dream is. Their dream is to be delivered from this terrible people. And here Jesus comes. I'll sign up for that in a heartbeat. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to fight, Jesus. You just tell me when and where and we can get after it. And he walks and he teaches them about the kingdom day after day after day. That the kingdom isn't going to be what you think it is, right? The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, is not built on the hopes of man, but on the plans of God. Right? It's, it's not built on how I want it to be. The kingdom of heaven is not built how, how, the, how the Jewish people wanted it. And we're going to talk about all this. This is just the intro, and I went a little long. But the kingdom of heaven is how God planned it. It's not how the Jews saw it. It's not how we think it ought to be. It's not how we think it is. If we're wrong, if you're right, it is how you think it is. Anyway, so now if we will turn to Matthew chapter 13 and verse 24. Matthew chapter 13 is just full of parables about the kingdom of heaven. 
in, in the beginning of chapter 13, there's a really famous parable, right? The, the sower and the soils, right? So he, he walks around, he's throwing seeds out, and some of it gets in rocky soil, some of it's in thorny soil, some of it's in good soil, and the good soil grows and produces 10, 60, 100-fold, right? So, sorry. Uh, he walks around, and, and all is good, uh, we come to this one, which is the next parable in that line. Matthew chapter 13 and verse 24 says, He puts another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his man were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed seeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore again, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seeds in your field? How then does it have weeds? Like, like we, were, we labored away for you. We put good seeds in this field, and now we have weeds coming up? And the master says, An enemy has done this. So the servants said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No. Lest in gathering the weeds, you root up the wheat along with them. Let both of them grow together until the harvest. And at the harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles. Go to be burned, in bundles to be burned. But gather the wheat into my barn. Now, I could stand here and explain this to you, but Jesus does it. So let's just jump over to that. Verse 36 and verse 38. Then he left the crowds and went into the house, and his disciples came to him saying, Explain to us that parable that you told. Right? Explain to us the parable about the weeds and the field. And he answered, The man who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is at the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out all of the kingdom, gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. I think that that passage is radically different than how we view the kingdom. I really think so. Okay, for... For one, right, and, and we're gonna, I'm not going to be going through all the verses again, but as I, as I make points out of it, I will be, uh, we'll be re-evaluating some of the text, so, but we're not going to pull it back up on the screen, okay? So if you have a Bible, it's probably now is time to turn to Matthew 13, if you hadn't already. I think that this, this shows us three truths about the kingdom of heaven, and we're going to have one more at the end that's not really related to this parable, but another one. But anyway, okay, so we have three truths. Number one, the kingdom of heaven is a present reality and a future hope. Look at verse 41 of chapter 13. It says, the weeds of the sons of evil, oh, that's verse, I'm sorry, 41 
the sons of man will send his angels. That's still the wrong verse. Verse 38 is the one I was going for. The field is the world, and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. I can't stress this enough, guys. We are sons of the kingdom. Today, right? Like, like we don't have to wait on it for, for 50 years to be a part of the kingdom of heaven. You don't have to wait on the day that you die to be a part of the kingdom of heaven. When you die with Christ, when Christ who is your life appears, you will appear with Him in glory. You can turn to Colossians chapter uh, 1, and verse thir- mm, 1 and verse 13, I think. Colossians. Chapter 1 and verse 13, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. In Jesus Christ, we are in the kingdom of heaven. Right? It's our home. Right? Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20 says, uh, i got to turn there too. I didn't mark it in my Bible, but I can quote it to you. Uh, our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, right? My home is in heaven, but I'm not there yet. Right? What limits me from being in heaven? This. My body. Right? My body has, it, it has limitations on it. Like, like it's, a, it's a spiritual kingdom. Right? It's a spiritual kingdom, but it has all of the joys and the promises and the hopes of a physical kingdom. It's present right now, but we're not there yet. So, when we're, in a, when we're in our boat, right, and we're paddling across this lake, we see the end goal, right? Like, like stand firm, fight the good fight, finish the race that's set before you. We know that all of this is in front of us, and we're just, we're in our kayak, and we're paddling away, and I'm, I'm, I'm about to give up because I don't think I can make it. My arms are getting tired, and I'm not going to get there. The answer is we're already there. Like, we're in the kingdom. Like, you're not going to paddle yourself into it. You're there. And I want to whine and complain and make myself not good enough. And I want to whine and complain and say, man, I'm just tired. I'm just tired of doing this God thing. it's real right now every part of it every promise that I read in this book it's a part of my life the hope and the joy and the peace it's real it's not something that I have to wake up every morning thinking if I can just earn that hope if I can just earn that joy no he's put me there now right he's put me there now I kind of touched on both of those at the same time, so sorry. That's number two. And number three, which is a little bit <laughs> kind of confusing. I think the most difficult part of this parable to understand. <sighs> so I'm a Jewish person. Well, I've watched Jesus come, and I'm, I'm ready for him to establish his kingdom. And he sits down and he tells me, the kingdom's going to have you in it and that murderer for a little bit. 
God, this kingdom's for me, dude. This is, this is my kingdom. This is the one I'm going to live in with, with righteousness and with God. They, they shouldn't be here. Just destroy them. And I think what Jesus is saying here, and, and it's very clear, if I pull up the weeds right now, the, the, the weed's going to be destroyed too. He says, if I pull up, if I kill and destroy sin and, de- and destroy death right now, if that's what I do right now, then you're coming up too. All right, you're, you're, you're not good enough. You're going to get ripped out of the ground. If I destroy sin, right? But if I wait, if I wait until the end of the age, if I, if I wait to fully establish the kingdom until the end of times, look, there's premillennialism and amillennialism and dispensations of time and all this different stuff. And you know what? I don't know any of it very well. I know a little bit and I've studied it a little bit and I would be, it would be pointless for me to describe any of it to you. Okay, I don't know. But what I do know, right, is that God's kingdom is established right now. And if we look in that text, we see that the world is the field, right? And Jesus has sown this good seed into the world, right? He's sown it into, into, into the world. I don't think the, the world or this field is the church. Like, there's not good and bad in the church. There is good and bad in the church, but that's not what the text is saying. He's saying that the kingdom of God is those who are in Christ Jesus, but there's going to be bad in the world too. So, I'm paddling my kayak, right, and I'm trying to get across the ocean, whatever it is, lake, river, we've changed that simile all the way through, but, you know, I'm paddling. And the wind is just beating me in the face. Right, this, this sin, that other person who's a jerk to me. Right, the, 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 the death that happens. Right, like I, I asked the kids, y'all name some stuff that's going on in the world right now that you don't understand or that we don't like. Racism. Right, I'm not saying that it's real. Right, racism. We can talk about, we can talk about murder and we can talk about rape. All these different things that are going on in the world right now that are terrible, that are sinful, and that are destructive, right? And I look at God and I say, God, why have you let the world go on for so long like this? And he says, because you're a liar. I hope that makes sense. Not that I'm a liar, but but that the kingdom, it hasn't come yet because he's hoping to save all of us. And The truth is, when I'm in the kingdom, when I'm in Christ, that stuff is removed, right? That that liar part of me, that, 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 that sinful part of me has no power over me, right? I've been delivered from the dominion of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of his beloved son. Right, those things have no power over me. But I have to live in the time of this sin and death whenever it is real in the world because God is still trying to save those who are in it. Right, that's, that's what the goal is. He, he wants everyone to be saved and come to a knowledge of Him. That's what He wants. So He's waiting just a little bit longer until He can pull it out.
I don't, uh, so I have another text that's coming on the screen next. But what, what I want us to get out of, out of this, you know, it might not, you're not going to leave here and be like, man, I'm so glad I know that about the kingdom now. I'm not teaching you anything that you're going to go use in a biblical classroom. Okay? What I want us to leave here knowing is that even when we face hardships, even when we face difficult people, when we face sin, when we face all of that stuff, the war is over. We're in the kingdom. We have a seat at the table. Revelation chapter 17 and verse 14 says these these evil forces, these evil kingdoms, they're going to wage war on the Lamb, but the Lamb will conquer them. The war's already over. The fight is done. It's all over. I just have to wait. I have to wait on that day that Jesus comes and He says, you're mine. But He's already called me His. And there's not very much I can do to change that. So, we're going to end on this couple of slides. Matthew chapter 13, verse 44 through 46. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and he covered it up. Right, so this man, he's, he's walking out in the field and he finds this treasure and he gets a shovel and he's like, well, I better cover that thing up. Dig a little deeper, put some more dirt on it, pat it down, put some fake grass on top of it. I mean, we're hiding this sucker. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and he buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. Like he, This is what he does all day long. All he does for his whole life is look for valuable pearls. And he finds one. And what does he do? He went and sold all that he had and bought it. The kingdom of heaven is worth everything. I've already said this. I know. You know, I don't understand all the ins and outs of the kingdom. You know, I don't understand, I don't know when Jesus is coming back. I don't know what the future of the, this church holds. I don't know any of that stuff. But I know for sure, without a doubt, that being counted worthy by God to be a citizen of heaven is worth everything. Every ounce of it. Right? For me to, to for me to go and sell everything. It's worth my life. It's worth everything. Lord, I want I want us to leave today. Full of hope and joy. Full of, of peace. And, and something that maybe, maybe you haven't felt in a while. Maybe it's this battle of whether you're worthy enough. Maybe it's this, I was talking with Dustin this morning. He said he had a conversation with some people who, who, who made sins very heavy in their lives, like saying whenever they died they were going to go to heaven and there was going to be a book of their sins, 
right? or, or, or other situations where your sins were going to be counted against you, and if you had done enough, or if, Jesus, if you had rightfully entered into Jesus and all this stuff, then you were going to be okay. And You are a kingdom of heaven. Live like a citizen of the kingdom. Live like you know it. Find joy and hope in that kingdom. See, there's nothing else. There's no other hope. There's no other place. There's no other joy. But finding my citizenship in heaven. In heaven today. Not somewhere over the rainbow. I paddle and I paddle and I paddle and sometimes I feel like I'm not going anywhere. Sometimes I feel like I'm not doing it good enough. God is saying to me, you are worthy to be a citizen. Live as a citizen and strain forward to the goal of the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. One thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, I press on to the upward call of Christ of God in Christ Jesus. That's it. I hope that we'll strive to be citizens of the kingdom, to live in that hope and that joy. If you're not living in that hope or that joy or anything else, if we can do anything for you this morning, I want you to come forward as we stand and as we sing.